Let's play the what if game. You know what I mean. What if I took that job? What if I went to a different college? What if I married that girl? What if I didn't get so drunk last night? Little things can have huge ripple effects. The NBA is a professional sport where teams and players have a huge impact on the outcome and layout of their league. A big what if in NBA history is what if the ABA signed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They were actually close to signing him out of college. If George Mikan would have given him a million dollar check up front, which they already had written out in his name, we might not have an NBA. Maybe I'd be talking about the biggest ABA what ifs. But I think we haven't gone over a lot of the biggest what ifs involving the NBA players we have in the league today. So for the purpose of this podcast and the next one or two that follow, we are going to explore the biggest NBA what ifs of the 2010s and speculate how life could be different if just a few things went differently. A few qualifiers with these lists. We are avoiding injury what-ifs, because injuries are a part of the game. We are also going to avoid draft-related what-ifs, unless the right decision was glaringly obvious at the time and the team still screwed up. Avoid little in-game what-if scenarios, What if a player's shot didn't go in, or what if a player didn't get called for a foul, or got called for a foul? Just two little things like that, you could have a million what-ifs. We aren't going to get that specific. So let's start off with the first one. I think this is a forgotten what-if of the early 2010s. What if Chris Paul got traded to the Lakers in 2011? This was actually a lot closer to happening than people remember. Here's what the New Orleans Hornets at the time, the Lakers, and the Rockets agreed on. The Hornets receive Lamar Odom from the Lakers. They also get Luis Scola, Kevin Martin, Goran Dragic, and a first-round pick from Houston. The Lakers, of course, get Chris Paul. And the Rockets get Pau Gasol from the Lakers. Seems like a fair trade for all around, maybe? Maybe? The Lakers give up a legitimate sixth man in Lamar Odom, a all-star caliber big man in Gasol, and receive CP3. The Rockets gave up mostly highly important role players in a draft pick and got back Pau Gasol. Hornets gave up a disgruntled CP3 who wasn't going to re-sign and received Lamar Odom, a versatile forward who won sixth man of the year award, Luis Scola and Kevin Martin, who were skilled scorers who averaged 41.8 points per game in the previous season, and Rogic, who was a talented up-and-coming point guard with who had all-star potential. And if those four players weren't enough, they got a first-round pick. Chris Paul was so certain this deal was done, he actually called future teammate Kobe Bryant to tell him he was going to be a Laker. So why did this not happen? Two words. Dan Gilbert. To understand why Gilbert would be the biggest reason this trade didn't happen, you have to understand the circumstances that happened in the NBA lockout and what happened a year earlier to Gilbert. LeBron James leaving the dumpster fire, which was the Cleveland Cavaliers basketball franchise, is why Dan Gilbert was upset. LeBron had left to improve his basketball situation and go team up with other stars in Miami. A few reasons the lockout happened was the owners wanted two things. They wanted to lower the percentage of revenue the players received, It ended up dropping from 57% to around 49 to 51%. And the other one was to make basketball fans excited 
because this agreement was supposed to make smaller franchises have a better chance of retaining elite franchise players, such as Chris Paul or LeBron James, instead of letting them go to bigger markets. So franchises could offer them more money for more years, essentially is the gist of that part. So when Dan Gilbert heard that the smallest market in the NBA, the New Orleans Hornets, was going to be trading one of their top 10 players to the Los Angeles Lakers of all places, he made it his mission to kill the deal. Gilbert labeled this deal a travesty in a letter he wrote to the league about the trade, pointing out that the Lakers were getting one of the league's best players while saving $20 million in salary. Under normal circumstances, the league would be powerless to block a trade that two or more franchises had agreed to. But in this circumstance, the league actually owned the New Orleans franchise, creating a wrinkle in the plans of this trade. This made NBA commissioner David Stern the de facto interim owner of the New Orleans team until the league sold them. They agreed not to sell it through the lockout because they didn't want to complicate things. After all three teams came to an agreement on the trade, the New Orleans GM went to David Stern to get a stamp of approval. Stern promptly vetoed the trade. After details of this intervention became public, everyone was shocked. They vetoed the trade because of basketball reasons, a comical excuse. Stern let the New Orleans franchise typically do whatever they wanted, except when it came to this move. It was the only time he had intervened with the New Orleans decision. Let's take a look at the ripple effect if this happened. From the Lakers' perspective, the Lakers instantly become the best backcourt in basketball with Kobe and CP3 and they also become an instant contender. Could Kobe Bryant have won another championship or two? This could have prolonged his prime for another one or two years. We could have finally saw the LeBron versus Kobe finals we were all hoping to see in that 2008 to 2012 range. We would definitely look at CP3 a lot differently if he was able to get a ring on his hand. The Lakers wouldn't have muddled around the bottom of the lottery for the majority of the decade and would have continued on the winning culture Kobe established with his mama mentality. LA would have been a better free agent destination if they had CP3 in the post-Kobe era. Also, CP3, a few rings, maybe? From the Rockets' perspective, they get Pau Gasol, a star player Daryl Morey had been trying to acquire since becoming the GM of the Rockets. Maybe they don't get James Harden. One of the key pieces in the Harden trade was a piece that they would have given up in this deal, Kevin Martin. Or maybe he makes Pau Gasol the linchpin for the Harden trade, and the Thunder ended up with Durant, Westbrook, and Gasol. From the Clippers' perspective, if they don't get Chris Paul out of this, because, remember, after the Lakers couldn't get him, the Clippers made an offer. They stay more at the bottom of the league like they had the past 30 years, don't become a contender, Maybe Blake Griffin, who's a young player at this point, tries to leave immediately when his rookie deal is up, which is what most high draft picks for the Clippers had done historically. We probably still look at them as a dumpster fire, like they were under the Donald Sterling era, and probably aren't a free agent destination like they are today. So the ripple effect, as we know as regular life now, that it didn't happen, Lakers were mediocre for the rest of the decade, and Kobe's team had no playoff success for the rest of his career, A year later, the Rockets traded for James Harden and became instantly relevant. The Clippers ended up getting CP3 
became a contender for the majority of the 2010s and changed their culture to a winner or something, at least something better than what it was. They also get Doc Rivers to be their next coach in a year. New Orleans actually got less compensation than they did originally, receiving Eric Gordon, Chris Kamen, and Alfred Mikamino. Oh, and a first rounder for CP3. If they do the first trade, they are more competitive and they aren't in a position to get Anthony Davis with the number one pick the following season. Or maybe they still get Davis, but they actually have a better talent of a supporting cast around their young superstar. The next what if we're going to talk about. What if Draymond Green doesn't punch LeBron in the balls? Let's go back to 2016 when the Golden State Warriors were just minutes away from taking a 3-1 series league in the NBA Finals over LeBron James and the Cavs. LeBron and Draymond Green got into a scuffle late in Game 4, where Draymond, as the league put it in a statement released, Draymond made unnecessary contact with a retaliatory swipe of his hand to the groin of LeBron James. This resulted in Draymond Green's fourth flagrant foul of the postseason, causing an automatic suspension. Draymond's suspension caused a huge momentum shift in the NBA Finals that we have never seen before and may never see again. The game that he missed caused Cleveland to take Game 5 and swing the series' momentum to their side, and they accomplished the greatest comeback in NBA history. So... What if Draymond, as a mom who has a kid who is mischievous and doesn't listen would put it, keep his hands to himself and doesn't get called for the flagrant that gets him suspended? More than likely, Golden State wins the series in five, becomes back-to-back NBA champions, and pulls off the greatest season in NBA history. Steph probably gets finals MVP and isn't criticized for having one five years from now. Maybe people consider him as a top 10 guy of all time, back-to-back championships, back-to-back MVPs, greatest season of all time, greatest record of all time. LeBron and Cleveland have some work to do, as for two straight years since coming home, he has yet to get a chip. They may have some major decisions to make about the makeup of that roster. And maybe LeBron has to stay in Cleveland longer than we expected to get his championship that he promised the citizens of his city. He can't leave without accomplishing that mission. Also, maybe he leaves a little bit early. Remember after he gets this ring, he signs an extension with the franchise through 2018? The biggest wrinkle of this what-if is when the Warriors lose this finals, Draymond famously cries in the parking lot while he calls Kevin Durant, begging him to come join. The result of that is Kevin Durant joins the Warriors and makes the league unfair for two years. So probably KD doesn't go to Golden State because they end up re-signing Harrison Barnes. So where does he go? To Boston? Or does he stay in OKC because him and Westbrook had just lost to Golden State in a seven-game series and were so close to going to the finals themselves? Does KD have any rings at this point? Would we have more admiration if he was able to get it one without having to join a juggernaut? Maybe him being the best player on a Boston team or somewhere else where he could capture a second MVP and maybe get some more individual achievements? Golden State had one of the greatest regular seasons in NBA history and was just one game away from becoming the greatest team of all time by many people's accounts. I know I said I wasn't going to do a foul what if, 
but Draymond's inappropriate actions in Game 4 caused such a ripple effect that it impacted basketball for the last five years. KD ended up joining Golden State, won two rings, effectively changing the NBA forever, all because of a punch in the balls. The last what-if of Part 1. What if LeVar Ball wasn't allowed near a microphone? This is an interesting one, and it affects the decade of the 2020s. But it happened in the 2010s, so for the purpose of this exercise, we're going to roll with it. During the spring of 2017, LeVar Ball came a sports figure that everyone knows, and he did it all just by talking. He made news by saying that his sons were all going to be better than Michael Jordan. He also said that his son, Lonzo Ball, was already better than Steph Curry, saying if you replace the two, the Warriors would be better and UCLA would somehow be worse. He even made an appearance on CNN and had a back and forth with the President of the United States. He also claimed that all of his boys were going to go to UCLA and they were all going to play for the Los Angeles Lakers where the whole family grew up. All of this hype that LeVar put on his son Lonzo certainly put Magic Johnson and the rebuilding Los Angeles Lakers in a tough situation. All the hype surrounding Lonzo fogged up the scouting report of him. If the Lakers were going to pick a prospect over Lonzo, and Lonzo actually became as good as his dad said he was going to be, that would be an all-time fatal franchise and career-killing mistake from the Lakers brass. You missed out on the hometown kid? We all knew he was going to be great. How could the Lakers not buy into the hype of him potentially being one of the next great Lakers? So the Lakers were in a situation where they were damned if they do and damned if they don't. So they took the mega-hyped elite point guard from UCLA with the second pick in the draft. So what if LeVar Ball wasn't allowed near a microphone? What if he wasn't able to go on every single important sports TV show on Fox or ESPN and essentially force the Lakers' hand to draft his son? Well, maybe Lonzo would have been evaluated a little bit more realistically, and maybe the Lakers draft the other elite point guard of this draft, De'Aaron Fox. Fox had recently just outplayed Lonzo in the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament, and if you just watched that game, you could make a realistic evaluation that Fox may have been the better option than Ball. Then maybe Ball goes to a situation where the spotlight isn't on him, and he doesn't have a target on his back. Maybe the Balls don't start their own shoe line, the infamous Big Baller brand. The shoes that derailed the first two years of Lonzo's career. He was wearing shoes that hadn't been proven to be safe, and in turf gave Lonzo a few sprained ankles that sidelined him for half of his first two seasons. This stunted the growth of his young career. Also, the other ripple effect is what happened to his brothers. Leangelo Ball, the least talented of the three, no offense, was taken off the UCLA team his freshman year after he was suspended for a situation in China where he stole sunglasses. Without the fame of the Ball family, that story probably doesn't make national headlines, and maybe Jello stays in college and gets the reps of development he properly needs before eventually going to the NBA. The youngest Ball brother, LaMelo, probably stays in high school and goes to college at UCLA instead of having to play overseas in Australia and Lithuania. Being a one-and-done prospect in college, maybe he is better to establish himself as the number one pick in the draft 
of the delayed 2020 NBA draft. I'm not an anti-Lavar guy, but he put his ego ahead of the needs of his sons, and that affected the three careers of his young boys, and that's enough to put him on this what-if list.